Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Tez My Best Teacher podcast. I'm your host, Dan Worth. Today, we're chatting with writer, poet and playwright Lem Cisse MBE. He published his first book of poetry aged 21, was the official poet of the London Olympics and in 2015 was made Chancellor of the University of Manchester. Lem, who spent much of his childhood in a care home, chats about his favourite teacher, Mr Unsworth. Mr drinking rugby playing uh, union man straight out of central casting for Kez. Described why school was such a sanctuary during his youth. I, I absolutely loved school. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, because I could, I could smell family on all of the other young people. And recalls a long lost memory of a geography field trip. Oh man, you just uh, cracked a memory. All that and much more on the latest Tez My Best Teacher podcast. Lem, thank you so much for taking part in the Tez My Best Teacher podcast. A real honour to have you on the podcast. And uh, yeah, I suppose without further ado, it'd be great just to know a bit about, you know, again, where was it you went to school and who were those teachers who really inspired you? You know, they've they've stayed with you throughout your whole life. I went to uh, Lee C of V, which is a, a comprehensive, one of about three comprehensives in the Lancashire town of uh, of Lee, yeah. The, at the side of the school, there was a farm called Marsh's Farm, and we would walk from the children's home down Old Hole Mill Lane, which was a gravelly, pit-holed, uh, potholed uh, lane, and we would see the horses by the farm and dodge the m- massive puddles in that in that um, country road. And that would lead us straight to school, past Lilford Park as well. It was very green, uh, misty in winter and full of blossom in summer. It was a bit cider with Rosie. And at this school, we're talking about your, your secondary school, was there a teacher there particularly that you've always remembered, you know, someone who really inspired you and has stayed with you? There was a teacher who encouraged me. And in fact, I just um, sort of, I, I interviewed him for a, an imagined documentary on the BBC uh, recently. I invited him to my to the ceremony when when I became a chancellor at the University of Manchester, and I didn't realise what he had done for me at the time. Mm. It's just later on that what he had done for me, I realised that what he'd done for me was very special. And I think teachers have that effect on certain pupils. Most pupils don't don't go back to to say to their teacher, "Thank you for what you're doing, what you did for me." Mm. But I wonder if it's the children who were least likely to succeed. They have more things against them that remember the one glimmer of light that was that teacher who could see them for talented individuals that they are. Mm. I, mean, I mean, can you talk a little bit more about this teacher? I mean, again, whether you want to say his name or not, but like, you know, what was it exactly that they did that really, you know, helped you or that sort of, again, like, you know, got you, saw the sort of talent in you or the, the opportunities that could be there for you? Well, his name is Mr Unsworth and he was bold and he was, he, he drank bitter uh, uh, not, not obviously at school. <laughs> drinking rugby, playing uh, union man, 
straight out of central casting for Kez. <laughs> you know, he had a broad Lan- Lancashire accent um, and, and a belief in his students. I think all teachers probably believe in their students and, and maybe every student sort of catches the eye of one teacher at some point. And I think sometimes the teacher might not even realise what they've done for the child because they're, mm. they're juggling so many balls and they're giving attention to so many students over so many years that they don't do it to be remembered. They do it so that the, their students can be inspired. But Mr Unsworth, he would look at my poems and not the poems that I was writing for class necessarily or reading for class. He, he looked at the poems that I was writing at home and he uh, gave me feedback. And just being seen in that way was inspiring to me. It meant that what I did sort of mattered. I remember having a discussion with him about a poem after the class. He just saw something which, and, and I think he was saying to me, this is of value. And, and that, that meant a lot to me at the time. Yeah, that's, that is the very, uh, you know, such an amazing thing a teacher can do for a child. Like, so just that small extra bit of sort of showing interest and showing that, you know, what you're doing, I find interesting, almost like say validating it. Um, but that does sound very important. And did he sort of, was, was his encouragement, was that something that really led you to, to keep going? You know, did he, did he sort of open up your eyes to poetry? Or was it more that you already, you were in, inspired by poetry and he sort of gave you that motivation to keep going and what you were doing was, you know, he looked at it and took the time out of his own busy day to look at it and that sort of motivated you to keep going? It's, a, it's like a flag in the mountainside or a flare, you know. Mm. It's like he, he shot out a flare. I was speaking just a couple of days ago to the poet and teacher, Kate Clanchy, mm. who, who does workshops with refugees in, in Oxford and around the country. Kate has recently written a book where she's published the poems that the young people have written. And I told her about this teacher and Kate, who's been a teacher all her life, said, you can just tell some young people come out fully made, like a young boy or a young girl wants to be a dancer and just everything they do relates to to that need. And all you need to do is encourage it. She said, it's very, you know, when you teach, it's very obvious Mm. when somebody has a, is going in a particular direction, is forming a bond with a particular subject matter. And I, I thought, can't you access all young people to, to be poets or to be dancers? She wasn't saying that. She wasn't saying that, you can't do that. But she was saying that some young people in the schools, you can just see it. Mm. It's just pouring out of them. And, and I think that's what my English teacher saw in me. He didn't ask why I liked poetry. He didn't ask how I came to think of myself as a poet. He simply encouraged me in that direction to keep going. And that's what, that's what a, a young person needs. They need somebody to be saying to them, keep going, keep, keep, keep going. This, you, you, you're in the, you're doing okay. You know, he also, what, what I loved was that he gave me critique. So he wouldn't just say, oh, that's brilliant. You know, he would say, well, that's a bit repetitive and that image is a little bit, you know, it's, it's okay, but mm. well, you've got better in you, et cetera. And I, really, I, really, I was really excited that somebody cared enough to be able to be 
compassionately critical of what it was that I loved. That, that mattered to me. Mm. It meant that I mattered, you know, because I, my, my poetry then was so uh, autobiographical, like any teenager, that had he just said, well, this is rubbish, I mean, you know, you need to do something else, then it would have probably stopped me in my tracks. Mm. That's a good point, isn't it? Like you say, like if, effusive over-the-top praise is sort of, yes, sometimes that's the right thing to do, but actually you're careful, considered and sort of thoughtful critique and actually being a bit honest, but in a constructive way, of course, is, is actually, that's can be far more powerful or just as powerful to, like I say, to a young student who's sort of interested in something and wants to keep going. I think it's more powerful because mm. I think it shows that the teacher is, has got some deep interest in your work. And I think part of the skill of teaching is possibly how you deliver uh, improvised, the improvised critique. So, it, you know, the right and wrong, you've done this right, you've done this wrong, is one level of critique. And, and the other is to, and it's, it's a simpler level of critique as well, right and wrong. Mm. But the other level of critique is more involved and it actually asks more of the teacher, you know, how, how are you going to push this person so that they develop muscle, muscles to push back? You know, and um, and that's a very kind of tender part of the teaching process. When I was at school, um, the other institutional part of my life was that I was in children's homes. Now, a lot of people say, uh, it's become a cliche, that, oh, my children spend more time with their teacher than they do with, at home. And, and mm. that, can be very, that can be very true. But for a child who's in children's homes, that's actually quite profound. The, the almost parental energy, which is lacking in the children's home, is reflected in teaching. Mm. That's, a, that's a big thing to say, you know, a big responsibility for schools to have for a child who's in care. And I, I absolutely love school. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, because I could, I could smell family on all of the other young people. And I think I was in so much that there was no family at, ho at home. Mm. I was quite demanding of the teachers. And a teacher who inspired me was as close as I could get, essentially, to the parent. Also, a teacher that admonished me was as close as I could get to the parent. Mm. And so that's why I think that how we treat young people in care in schools is a real test of our teaching skills, because teachers are not parents, they are teachers. Whether a child reflects onto the teacher, you know, um, the responsibility of a kind of parenthood is another matter, but teachers are teachers. And teaching is part of what it is to be a human being from the moment a child's born mm. it is learning and it is being taught and it is looking to the teacher the parent um for guidance um so I, I don't see teaching as just a matter of school i see it as being 
central part of what it is to be human. Mm. Yeah, so I was quite demanding of my school. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's interesting you say that point about school. You you loved school and it was this, you know, like you said, the, the smell of families, you know, that it was in school and that sort of lovely yeah. sort of way of putting it in. So school, it, it very much was a respite really then and, and a place you looked forward to, to being in in that way. And I think a lot of teachers will probably recognise pupils who they see that in, whether it's articulated or not, they'll see that sense that school is a place actually that they prefer to be than at home. And your experience there talks about the fact that you don't have to sort of acknowledge that or do something grand about that, but just providing that teacher role can be so powerful in a child's life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I then, you know, I remembered... Mr. Runsworth, and actually my oh, Quillen, Mrs. Quillen, and, and my head teacher as well, I remember well, uh, who, when I was in the newspaper a few years after leaving school, you know, she had my newspaper article on, on her wall in her head teacher's office. Yeah, it, it is the kids who are, I, I don't like the term challenging children, because I think childhood, you're built to challenge as a child. Mm. That that's what children do, whether it's your own child or whether it's a child at school to a teacher. Challenging is part of childhood. But I think I was <laughs> saying all of that, I think I was probably quite a challenging child. I loved to have fun and make people laugh. Mm. I was quite a perceptive child as to the as to reading the room. And I could probably get in the way of a teacher's lesson plan. <laughs> Well, you said you said earlier about even the admonishment of school was something you perhaps sort of enjoyed. I mean, does that, does that mean you did end up in sort of detention situations or things like that? Or did you sort of read the room enough was, to stay on the right side of the law? I stayed on the right side of the law most of the time, I think. But I did do a few detentions. I did wag it a few times. We used to call it wagging it. I think every, every generation has a different term. But wagging it was like staying off school for a day. But I didn't do that actually too much. I, you know... I would be one of the first at the school with the other kids from the home. You know, I smoked around the smoking area, but I I just, I did actually loved it. The corridor activity, you know, between lessons, this surreal shuffle of bodies rushing to the next lesson. The idea of double lessons and single lessons. And I like drama as well, actually. I really, really loved drama. We had a, a great drama teacher whose name I can't remember. But the beauty of drama was improvisation and uh, trying to find ideas uh, where there were none before and, and make them come alive. And there were some teachers who were, felt like bullies, you know, and uh, I remember them as well. I mean, kids are quite, you, you're quite selfish. You think that the world is built uh, according to you and you don't really have much empathy as a child. You have to learn empathy. But I think I... I think I was quite an empathetic child, like a lot of young people are in care. I needed attention at school, and I was—I I loved it when I got it from teachers in particular. Yeah. Well, one thing that struck me earlier was interesting. You said about how, and obviously it's true that most pupils don't end up going back and talking to their teachers and sort of recognising that actually what they did for them was was very important. And I think we all can remember teachers as we get older where actually you thought at the time they were harsh or, you know, overly strict and yeah. actually look back and think actually they were quite good. But you you said you did you have spoken subsequently to Mr. Unsworth and, and and so forth. So I mean that was that what was that like to have to sort of look him in the eye and say thank you or and you know, him be able to see that that time he spent with you really did have a very profound impact and you know what you've gone on to do is is, you know, 
he played a, a part in that. I think and hope that he's very proud of the work that he did and of how it reflects on one student and me. Mm. And that that might, you know, I, I think teachers don't get the feedback that they deserve because they're um, so busy um, reaching targets. Um, but it would be wonderful, you know, the, the more feedback there is for teachers about the good work that they do, um, the better they feel. And I think, uh, yeah, the, you, I, I guess you can't institutionalise it. Students will find their way back to teachers in their adult lives um, in their own way. And this is one of the, I guess it's one of the joys of teaching, being stopped on the street and being mm-hmm. told, it doesn't matter whether I'm a you know well-known poet or it doesn't matter if I worked at the um, at the chippy or the bank. Um, stopping a teacher saying, "I remember what you did and it really made a difference in my life," is a good thing to do. It's a mm. way of giving service, a way of giving back. And um, I did that. You know, I did that. I went back to Mr. Unsworth and I I woke his memory of mem- me. I, you know, I knew that he knew about me, mm. about the things that I've done in my life, but, and I knew he'd read about me, but it was just a good thing to do to walk back and say that what you did then, 20 years ago, has had an effect on what I am now. Mm. And, and he can look at my work and see that my work affects other people, you know, and that, mm. and that he's part of that line. And how did he respond to that? Because you say most teachers don't have that feedback. So for him to receive that, did you, you know, do you think, did it, did it affect him more than he realised? And did he suddenly basically open his eyes to say, oh, wow, I didn't, I hadn't quite appreciated how much I'd done for you almost? Yes. I mean, I think teachers are very giving, actually, you know. Mm. Um, they give a lot away. And I, um, I, uh, I invited him to, an event that I was doing at the Royal Exchange in Manchester. Um, it's a theatre. I must have been 20, in my 20s. And, and I, I remember either he told me or, or somebody who saw him told me that he wept. He wept in my performance. Now, he's a very big, bald-headed, rugby-playing mm. teacher, you know. And... Um, and our school has closed as well. The school, Lycia V, closed. And I've, I've since heard that it was known as uh, the roughest school in the town. You know, it was mm. known as a place where the kids who didn't have as much options um, went to. Um, and so that, I'm, I'm glad he, he's moved. He was moved. And I've, event, I've invited him to a few events now. And I'd say we were sort of like distant friends now. Mm. His name's Ian Unsworth, but I, I, I can't call him. I was still calling him. <laughs> yeah. No, there's definitely something that it's very hard to not call your teacher by their teaching surname. You know, that, that's just how you always address your teachers, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's yeah. Very, a, friend, a good friend of mine, I, his mum was a teacher at our school, English teacher and, and very good teacher as well. And she's called Miss Neil. And whenever I see her subsequently, you know, I saw him at my friend's wedding. It was very strange not, you know, having to call her. Well, I didn't have to, but I chose to. Like, oh, hi, Miss Neil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you just what you do. Uh, I mean, I think it's probably the first relationship with an adult that a child has outside of their parents. Mm. 
it's a very profound relationship. The first relationship a child has with an adult outside of their parents or their aunties and uncles, outside of their family, first direct relationship with an adult who is not in their family. Yeah. Mm. And uh, in some ways it's interesting because the way you describe Mr. Unsworth, and, you know, he may not sound if you like you said, from, drawn from, from Kez, you know, a character from Kez or casting of Kez, you think he, he may not fit the mould as also being, you know, sort of spotting a, a precocious student with a, a bit of poetry ability and drawing that out. So it also shows really, doesn't it, that there's a sort of such a big element of luck in all this and like the teacher and the pupil dynamic and who you get put with and at which school and the magic that can happen from that, really. Yeah, isn't that the, that's like the joy of teaching, you know, because... The, the child who comes back to you and says thank you is one thing, but there's a whole group of people who you're having an effect on. Mm. If you think of a teacher sat doing a full lesson with a full lesson plan, some kids will be the ones with their arms up. I was one of them, you know, my arms up, my arms mm. up. I just want to engage, right, even if I've got the wrong answer. I left school with very little qualifications, only CSEs. You know, it was I was not, I had such a turbulent home life that it mm. was, virtually impossible to be able to be academically, uh, be a star academically. I, I, I will give myself that. Mm. But in that classroom um, where the teacher is engaging with the children who are throwing their hands up into the air, there is also the child who never asks a question, who the teacher sees in their mind's eye and knows that they're going to gently at some point ask a question directly to that child to see if they answer, and they do. Mm. And they do. And they needed to be asked. Not the one like me who's bright, bushy-tailed and having fun at the back of the class and or the front of the class and chatting along with the teacher and has to be moved from one, one chair to another chair. <laughs> no, it, it's not just that one. It's the one who doesn't speak that the teacher knows needs that encouragement under the radar or needs a direct gaze. You know, the, the effect. Mm of the teacher on everybody is really uh, profound. Um, I mean, it is, you know, in meditation, people talk about gurus, don't they, who they go and see and, mm. uh, and yoga, etc. And, and in, in many ways, the teacher is part of that tradition. That a teacher is a, not just a talker, but a listener. Um, uh, they can see which child has not slept properly the night before. Which child is so consumed with worries at home that they can't properly get their head around it? Which child smells because they're not being washed properly mm. by the parents? So all of these skills are being employed besides delivering the lesson plan, you know? Um, so I had a lot of, I think, understanding, now I look back at it, from mm. my school uh, as to what my situation was. But certain teachers would be able to encourage me in directions, uh, and that meant a lot to me. Yeah, that's, that's so very powerful, isn't it? And like you say, the teacher, yes, there's going to be the pupils who get top grades and do really well, and they sort of think, oh, I really helped that pupil. But, and they may never know about the other child who was quiet and just, you know, did okay and so forth. But actually the way they were taught in the class or the way they would interact with them and gave them time and space and so forth. Actually, you can't m metric that. You can't put a grade against no, it. exactly. It, it lasts a lifetime, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly.
So on, on school in general, and if you look more back in sort of other elements of school, I mean, was there any sort of, did you go on any notable day trips anywhere or, or even, you know, or, or breaks away or trips to museums? Oh, man, you just uh, cracked a memory. Yeah, we used, we went on a geography trip to a place. Oh, gosh, I can't remember. That's taking me right back. But um, trips were great. I mean, trips out were great. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, I just cannot remember where it is we went to, but it was a a place where you could geologically understand um, uh, the different layers of rock. Mm. Uh, and there was a pool there as well, I think. And we could, I think, did we swim in the pool? Well, um, is it like an outdoor sort of a natural pool? Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But if there's any geography teachers listening who can sort of piece this together, they can maybe suggest some locations because it's presumably somewhere near the school or, or near yeah, the well, school. Yeah, but I think it was in... Oh, God, I can't remember. I cannot remember. Jeez. But, but the overriding um, memory of that sounds like it's one of... The, the memory is a good one. It's an exciting one. Yeah, it is. One. It is a good one. And also football. I mm. loved... Uh, I mean, I wasn't a great footballer, but I loved playing football. And I loved being on the, I think I was on the football team. Yeah, I was. Yeah. And I, I got some studded boots. Yeah. 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 Remember the boots you screw the studs in? And yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you do the thing where you sort of do the laces under the boot and then bring them back over the top? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Is that a thing? Do professional football or is that just something that everyone does at school? Anymore. <laughs> I think it's a bit sort of like a knobby styles, isn't it? That? Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was one of those things that we all did it, but whether there was actually a benefit to it or not, I have no idea. Well, I think there was, yeah, because I think it just it would have kept the boots from from uh, coming off, possibly. Yes, I suppose it would. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I remember playing football, and I remember really enjoying it. I used to play on the right wing or right midfield, mm. and um, gosh, yeah, it's just brought memories back of a very uh, cold, wintry, hard, yes. hard soil, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, that was lovely, yeah. Yeah. Well, like I say, if anyone can sort of piece together where that might be, I think that would be a fun thing to try and work out where that might be, because I'm sure there must be, like I say, the, the idea of being able to see the stratas of rock sounds like a very sort of definitive place that you would go to do that. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Must, maybe it currently exists still as a as a day trip out for geography. Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah. It was uh, in Lancashire. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and overall, then, was your school... Again, putting aside some of the teachers we spoke about, was the school, you know, would you, would you say, was it a good school? Was it a friendly school? Was the, were the school lunches any good? I mean, you know, do you have memories like that as well? <laughs> I, re- I think we had dinner tickets from the children's army. In fact, I know we had dinner tickets. I loved uh, dinners. We had chips. Remember chips? Mm. I can't remember much more. I can't remember much more than chips. <laughs> that's, that's a good memory, though. Yeah, we would trade our chips. Trade trade our dinner tickets sometimes as well. There was a whole black market going on dinner tickets. What? So someone would buy so they could have two lunches? Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, we, of the dining hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to have chips at our school on a Monday and a Friday. That was always a. I don't know if that was all the time, but there was certainly some weeks where it seemed to happen twice, and that seemed to be quite sort of oh chips again, you know, <laughs> which is always good. Yeah. 
I, 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 do you know what? I'm, my memory is I can see the school and I can see we had a, a, a what was called the Rosler block, the fifth to sixth, well, sixth forms were in the Rosler block. That was where you went when you, when you got, when, if you got into sixth form. Mm. And um, the hallway and the monkey bars and the ropes in the hall where the sports, sports hall was, five-a-side football, and I think we had basketball as well, possibly. <laughs> yeah, and the, the changing rooms as well. Yeah. A very particular smell to the boys' changing rooms. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, I think, I think your memories are so, have been so nice because it really shows, again, the, the power that the, the teacher or teachers can have on a child in so many ways. And again, not just you know, just help them get good grades. But just, you, you never know how nuanced and how subtle everyone's reaction to what the teacher does. And ultimately that teacher showing up and, you know, being interested and being involved and asking you a few questions, it really does have a through line through your life, doesn't it? Like and for you, what you've gone on to do, it really demonstrates that that right person at the right time, you may have still gone on to have done it, but it, it didn't, it certainly, you know, helped you keep going in that right direction. Oh yeah, no, it was, it was very important. I just thought of something. If a child ever approaches a teacher with work that they've done at home outside of the school curriculum, mm. a teacher should always give attention to that. This just—it's just—I've just thought of it. I've just thought, mm. you know, I took my poems to my teacher to say that I'd written them, and I think it would be very easy for a teacher to say, "Well, okay, but just get me get in your your you know just make sure you mm. deliver your homework or what have you." But actually, if a child ever says, "Oh, I've drawn this, or I've painted this, or I've written this, or I've made this piece of music," and it is not part of the curriculum, I think a teacher should always be beholden to to follow that lead. Mm. Yes, because that's very much what you described as what, you, what what was so important for you, wasn't it? Was that the teacher went went to look at your work and, and treated it, you know, very much as you know a piece of proper work that needed to be critiqued. Yes. Mm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And and when I interviewed him for the documentary that only went out a few months ago, he could then tell me I've never heard him say before that when he saw my work, it had an effect on him. You know, and he he remembers the, the moment, you know, he remembers reading it, he remembers thinking, wow, you know, how did he do this? <laughs> yeah. yeah so. That's lovely. That's lovely. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I think that's a really nice place to end. And I think, you know, again, I think everyone would have very much enjoyed listening to that and that story and, and both, you know, that and some of the other sort of memories and so forth. So thank you so much for, for sharing and, you know, it's been great to have you on as a guest on the podcast. Thanks, man. All the best. <laughs>